Isaiah 7, what I love about this verse is that it speaks of an event that happened uh, 700 years later. Isaiah couldn't have known what he was writing about, but there's all these specific predictions scattered throughout Isaiah about Jesus, not about just his birth, but um, his death. Uh, And when I first became a Christian um, and started reading the Bible, I I had no idea about um, all of these internal consistencies, which gave me huge confidence that what I was reading was true, that all this stuff is true. So um, in this case, uh, that God is actually with us, Emmanuel, God with us. So let's read chapter 7. Let me read uh, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Well, this part of the Bible, and like a lot of other parts of the Bible, is, is grounded in real history. Um, if, if, if one does a little bit of research, you can find out these events that we're reading about took place when Augustus was Caesar in Rome. There was a guy named Quirinius who was a governor in a place called Syria, which we hear a lot about today. And also another fellow named Herod who was king in Judea. So it's actually well grounded in history. And if anybody wants to find out, they can actually look up the historical records and find out that these events truly happened in, in real time. All right, thanks, Ian. Well, would you like to read the passage for us? Okay. Okay, this is Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to a public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin shall be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks for that, Ian. Um, So have you always loved the Christmas story? Uh, in, In a different way. When I was a unbeliever... If you like to call me, call me that. So, uh, before I knew the truth of these things, I used to find this a really funny story, and um, I and my friends would have a good laugh about this. Uh, some young girl, unmarried, about to have a child. You know, where does that all come from? Has to be a bloke in there somewhere, doesn't it? So we used to laugh about it and um, ridicule it, 
and do all those other things that people often do. Uh, but of course, since since I've come to know the truth of it, I find it a wonderful story indeed. God said, as uh, as Brian read earlier, uh, 700 years before it was going to happen, he said it would happen, and it did. Now, you'll be reading today for us from Isaiah. What do you love about this passage? Okay. Mike looks nervous, doesn't he? Um, never mind. Um, uh, during, the, during the week, I got this card from um, uh, another neighbour, actually, and in it, it had... Um, she'd written on the bottom, Isaiah 9, verse 6, which happens to be one of the verses that I'm reading. And it goes like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Words describing Jesus, written by a bloke over 700 years before Jesus was born. How incredible is that? I still remember the first time I read those words when I was investigating the Christian faith and being absolutely gobsmacked that someone could write about Jesus in such detail so long before he was born. Great. All right. Will, do you want to read for us from Isaiah? Thank you. So we're looking at Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 to 7 and it goes like this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Great. Thanks, Barb. Um, And have you always loved the Christmas story? Well, um, I didn't ever hear about the Christmas story until I was about 19 and before that I thought Jesus was Jesus Christ was a swear word to be honest which wasn't real good um, in the passage I just read it said the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned when I started investigating the Christian faith and reading the Bible I discovered that Jesus the son of God is a real person He was born into history in humble but amazing circumstances over 2,000 years ago, but he was also anticipated by God's chosen people right throughout history. He grew into a man who taught the people, he performed miracles, he was perfect, and he willingly went to the cross as a sacrifice for us, and he rose from the dead. I think before I read about him and asked for his help to know him, I was like the people walking in darkness. 
But God in his kindness allowed me to see a great light, Jesus. And I'm convinced that he truly is the son of God, that he died so we could become friends with God. And I changed from wanting me and my family to be number one in my life to wanting Jesus to be number one. So now I love the Christmas story and I love that God has made it possible for us to know him. And as Isaiah said, he, he, he did it this way. For to us a son is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Bob. Over to Stephen. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Bob. Well, kids, if you can give me your attention just for half a sec, even as you're colouring in, that's fine. Did you know that before you were born, your mum and dad had already started talking about you? There are quite a few people here expecting babies, actually. And I bet that they're already starting to talk about what their baby will be like even now. Before my first baby was born, we did that. Here's a picture of Kathy expecting. We were both a little bit excited. <laughs> to start with, we didn't know if we were going to have a boy or a girl. And then when we found out that he was a boy, and because my last name's George, when we talked about him, we called him Boy George, of course. But for months and months before babies are born, their parents talk about what they'll look like, what they'll be like. The mum and dad, they don't get tired of talking about the baby. Everyone else might, but they don't. Well, did you know that in this bit of the Bible that was just read, it was written over 700 years before Jesus was born? God started talking about Jesus not months before he was born, but hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand, God started talking about him. That's how important God thinks Jesus is. He really, really wants us to understand who he is and what he's done. So kids, in the next little bit, little while, I'm going to be talking mostly to the adults, but it'd be great if you could listen along as well while you're doing your activity sheets so that you can hear what God says about him all those years beforehand. And this is the first thing that we're going to see that God says about Jesus all those years ago. God said that Jesus would shine light into the darkness. Look at what God said through the ancient prophet Isaiah again. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. When I was about eight years old, I was riding with a friend down his street. And it was summer and, and the clouds were getting thicker and, and thicker and darker and darker. I'm talking really dark, kind of a bit like this photo I took near Burra recently. But we ignored the clouds that were gathering and we kept playing until suddenly we heard this rushing sound getting closer and closer. And we realised it was extremely heavy rain coming flying towards us as a, like a sheet saturating the, the dry road as it hit. We frantically started pedalling towards my friend's house, but the rain overtook us well before we made it and saturated us in seconds. 700 years before Isaiah, uh, before Jesus was born, Isaiah talked about his world as being a place where the clouds were gathering. There was gathering gloom and darkness. And if you were a historian, you'd know exactly why he said that. In Isaiah's time, the gloom that was building was because of war with Assyria. It was all around them and getting closer and closer to their doorstep. Here's a picture of the Assyrians at war that's come from one of their palaces. 
But actually, Isaiah said something slightly different because he said the gloom and the darkness from the threat of war that was all around them was really just a symptom of a greater gloom and darkness that was actually inside them. Did you ever see the movie The Gods Must Be Crazy? (laughs) I heard of a guy who loved this movie so much and the idea of the movie, you know, the idea of this group of people, the Botswana Bushmen, who were untouched by the evils of civilization, a kind of desert garden of Eden. He loved that idea so much but they were unaffected by greed and selfishness. So he set out to try and find them, to live with them. And do you know what he found? He found they don't exist. Well, he found the Botswana Bushmen, all right, but it just wasn't the desert garden of Eden that he was hoping for. Most of the dark things in his own culture were there in different ways in theirs. And there was sickness and selfishness and the struggle to survive even there. Isaiah says that God looks at this world and he sees a beautiful, wonderful place, but he also sees that it's tainted by a darkness that lurks inside all people. There's a gloom. And God says the source of this gloom is because we all shut him out. We turn our backs on him, the only source of light. Now, you might not agree with that, A lot of people just don't feel like that describes them. A lot of people feel like it's more like they're happy for God to exist and to do His thing. They've got nothing against Him. It's just that they want space to do their own thing in life. They're not anti-God. They just want to live more or less independent of God. But what God sees that we might not is that that is like the earth wanting to live independent of the sun. But for the earth, unless it orbits the sun, there's only darkness and cold and in the end, death. God knows that us wanting independence from Him is exactly the same thing. We need Him. And our blindness to our dependence on God is actually deeply hurtful to Him. It's offensive and so it should be. In my house, where I grew up, there's this room downstairs that's actually below the ground level, so it it gets no light in it whatsoever. And if the light's off, it's pitch black. When I moved away from home to go to uni, my brother did what all brothers do and invaded my room and took over it. So when I came home on uni holidays, I'd get the dungeon room downstairs. My sister actually also had a room down there. I'm one of six kids, so my parents had to come up with inventive ways of of housing us all. So my sister had a room downstairs as well and she had a job in a bakery. So she'd set her alarm for 3am in the morning. It was my first night back home in the uni holidays and my sister wasn't home that day but her alarm was still set for 3am. Back at uni I had this enormous luxury room with a kitchenette and everything but my, my house in the dungeon Uh, My room in the house in the dungeon was tiny with stuff everywhere. So at 3am when the alarm went off, I woke up completely confused, jumped out of bed and smacked straight into the wall. Now that confused me a little bit more, so I smacked it and turned around and smacked into another wall. And after about five minutes of panicked confusion, I finally remembered where I was. Though by that point, 
I'd kind of lost all bearings in the room and had to rediscover them, find the light switch, my sister's alarm, and then lie awake for the rest of the night plotting my revenge. (laughs) Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God said that His coming would be like desperately needed light, shining into that deep, deep darkness. And we might not feel like we're in darkness. We might think we're somewhere else, but God says if we could just lift our eyes, the clouds are there to see. But we do see them, don't we, in our world? I mean, this world is beautiful, it's, it's wonderful, but it's not as it should be. Just open the news app on your phone, you know, like I did yesterday, and there's stories of Aleppo in Syria, stories of all sorts of abuse, 7-Eleven and exploitation, domestic violence. I mean, these stories, they surround us and, and they smother us. And then in our own personal lives, we've got our own stories, our own personal stories touched by gloom, sickness and depression, loneliness and sometimes abuse. Did you know, apparently, we live in a time of greater peace and prosperity than ever before. And yet we still feel it. There's a line in a Casey Chambers song that goes, if you're not, let's just say, ticked off, if you're not ticked off at the world today, then you're just not paying attention. God's paying attention. And God promises that Jesus' coming would be like the coming of dawn. He would shine light into darkness. This brings us to the second thing God said all those years ago about Jesus. God said Jesus would bring joy. In verse 3 it says, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Have you ever harvested something uh, that you were really looking forward to? At the moment, I'm, I'm growing plums that are just starting to ripen. And it's such a happy time when you finally get to pick the fruit. It's like a happy ending to all that watering and fertilizing and netting the tree and pruning. Well, Jesus is going to bring joy like that, like a happy ending. It's like everything bad in this world that this world's ever known is, is just a cold, dark night. And what Jesus brings is the daytime finally coming. When my dad was young, he used to tell us, well, no, he told us this story about when he was young, that he got lost in in Katoomba, in the bush, in New South Wales. They wandered around for a while until it got dark, and then they kept wandering around for a while, and then they decided that they'd just spend the night where they were, just waiting for the dawn. If you know Katoomba, it's it's a cold and, and dangerous place because it's up in the mountains, so it's freezing cold, and there are cliffs everywhere. And so you can imagine their joy when the dawn finally came, when the sun rose, bringing warmth and light. And as it turned out, they were just metres from a, a sheer cliff. Hundreds of years before his birth, God says Jesus is going to bring unimaginable joy, like the dawn, the kind of joy that, that comes when you escape disaster. For Isaiah, the gathering darkness that they felt most oppressively was, was war, was the approach of war. And so the picture of joy, the way they paint this joy, is with the picture of all war ceasing forever. Have a look at verse 5. Every warrior's boot 
used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Jesus is going to bring joy because he's going to deal with the source of all darkness. How can he do that? Well, this brings us to the last thing that God says about Jesus here all those years ago. God said Jesus would rule perfectly forever. Have a look at where he says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that that time on and forever. What this world needs for peace, for justice, for, for true joy, is a great leader. Now, it shouldn't be surprising to us that that's what we need. Deep down, this is what people are always hoping for. I mean, we're disillusioned by our leaders... But we're always hoping that someone great is going to come along just around the corner. Someone sensible who can make a real difference. Someone genuine. When Barack Obama became president of the US, Kevin Rudd said about him, he's the hope of our time. Now, I wonder if Donald Trump's waiting for a call from Malcolm Turnbull with something something similar. We always hope for great leaders, don't we? Why? When have we ever seen truly great leaders? We hear stories from the past, but even then, were they really that great? All leaders disappoint us. But God says, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, this leader won't disappoint. This leader will get the job done. He will disperse the darkness forever. Think about it. Whether war or violence, whether sickness, abuse, whether loneliness or depression or meaninglessness, he will eradicate them all. I mean, does it sound too good to be true? Does it sound unbelievable? Does the story sound too silly, a baby in a feeding trough, who is God himself come down? But did we really think that God would do things how we think He should do them? If every other human leader disappoints, did we expect God just to give us more of the same, more of what we were expecting? God's rule is like nothing we've ever known. To start with, He is the God who serves, who works through the small, the weak and the fragile, and this is how He shows His true strength. God gives us a leader born in humility, a leader whose style and example and message is almost unrecognisable to us. A leader who's not interested in the number of followers that he has, who's interested in the followers themselves. A leader who's not interested that we think he's telling the truth, but is interested in the truth itself. A leader who has all authority already and yet lays it all aside so that he can win back people who have committed treason against his authority. 
God knows Jesus is the leader this world needs, the leader I need, the leader you need. It's unbelievable. That's why God started talking about it 700 years before Jesus even was born. The ancient prophets all point to Jesus in a way that's mind-blowing, breathtaking, and in the end, convincing. When I was in Switzerland, we drove through tunnels to get there from Italy. And these tunnels, they're unlike anything that we've ever seen here in Australia. They go on and on and on for kilometres. Pretty scary, actually. They're dark and they're narrow. And when you're driving on the other side of the road, the wrong side, they're even worse. But finally, after what feels like an eternity, you catch a view of the light at the end of the tunnel. And then all of a sudden, your car is flooded with light and you emerge into the most amazing wonderland you could ever imagine. It's so beautiful, we just couldn't keep on driving when we were there. There was snow on the mountain peaks. There was a crystal clear stream flowing along. There were wild raspberries and blueberries. I'm not even exaggerating one tiny bit. It's paradise. Well, Isaiah, he saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus. And for us who've come to know Jesus come to know that Jesus really is our mighty God ruling his world the way it was supposed to be ruled. It's like we've emerged from that tunnel into that beautiful mountain scene. We haven't quite pulled up the car yet and jumped out. In fact, we're just at that point at the edge of the tunnel, half in, half out. But our destiny when Jesus returns is a world with darkness removed where wars have ceased, where peace has finally come, where sickness and sadness and death and gloom is gone forever. Are you really surprised that that's what God has in mind to do in this world? There's only one hope for our time. It's not Obama. It's not Trump. It's not Turnbull. It's not even ourselves. It's not education. It's not science. It's not even religion, it's especially not religion, it's Jesus. Is he your hope for the future? Is he your destiny? He demands absolute allegiance. But when you see him for who he is, you can't help but join the shepherds and the wise men and all creation in bowing down before him. If you're tired of this world's leaders, if you can see the gloom, what would stop you from coming to the one who shines light into darkness? What is stopping you from coming to the one who brings real joy? Swear allegiance to Jesus, a leader unlike any other. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus, that you started talking about him so many years before he was born. Lord, it's too wonderful for our minds we're just inclined to dismiss it as a fairy tale. And yet, Lord, the evidence is there. This is really how you are at work in this world, bringing about what you want from this world, getting rid of the gloom and darkness and bringing about an eternity of light underneath Jesus' rule. Help us to see just how wonderful it is. Lord, help us to bring ourselves under Jesus as our King. Amen.